Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. That video gives you context for some of the people that you're sitting around week after week, every Sunday. You pass them in the lobby, see them in the bathroom. You park next to them. You do life with people. Recognize them maybe in the mall or in the store. Oh, that guy goes to Grace Avenue. And you don't really have the full context of what they've been through, what they've gone through. And that's the beauty of the miraculous. The supernatural hand of God intervening and doing something that only he can do. Where on the other side of what looks like chaos uh, is a beautiful testimony of God doing something powerful. And those videos, they gave you just a small glimpse into their lives and their livelihoods, but it didn't give you the, the real full picture, did it? You, you just saw a snippet of the victory story in their life. But what you didn't see... And what you didn't experience was the process, the lengthy process of what they went through. I remember Justin calling me right before he went on the ventilator. He said, I think I'm about to go on a ventilator. And we prayed. And 56 days in, you know, that's a long time to be on a ventilator. And here he is, healthy and strong, leading his family. So beautiful, so powerful. You know, my wife and daughter were in the video, several people that I've, I've walked through different scenarios with. And, and what I wanted to share tonight is that you, you only get to see just a small snippet. You didn't get to see the full process of the tears and the anguish that the individuals went through. You didn't see the lengthy recovery process for people. You didn't see the fear and the despair that some family members were walking through. The question marks that were surrounding people in all these different situations. You didn't see the whole process. That's now a testimony. See, most everything that we trust our life to is a process and goes through a process and has a process, right? The car you're driving, it went through a process to be able to put on the road, right? The phone that you have, there was a testing process before it was released, except for this last iPhone that's kind of messed up. But aside from that... <laughs> Everything gets pushed and tested to the limits so that the process unfolds and shows what can possibly be. And that happens so that the designers and the creators of whatever it is that is being worked on, it can be tested to its limits so that on the other side of that, what the designer intended for it to be actually shines forth. And what you're seeing in that video is the miraculous work of God in people's lives and their lives now shine forth. And there are so many more that you haven't seen. Stories of people who went through things and their lives have been deeply affected by difficulties and tragedies and situations that we would not want to go through and not want to see our loved ones go through. Yet here they are on the other side of Christmas time, still, still full of faith, still full of hope, still full of God's love and joy and peace. And they push through certain things that they've been through in this process. And Jesus himself had to go through a process. We're celebrating his birth. But when we look at his life, 
His birth is where it started, but it was a process that Jesus had to go through to be able to fulfill the calling that was on his life. Luke chapter 2 says Jesus grew. Another word is increase that we read. He increased or grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with man, which means where he ended up is not where he started. Where he started required him to go through a process. And in his life, he went through a process. He faced rejection and ridicule, right? He, he faced grief and dealt with it and sorrow and despair. He dealt with all the things that we deal with, temptation and testing, the pain and the anguish of the cross. Jesus went through the process of being God, but being fully human and experiencing the process of what it's like to deal with these very things that we deal with all the time. And this lengthy process was required for him to accomplish his purpose. And the process you're going through, I want to remind you, God is with you in it. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, God is in it. And God is with you. See, Jesus went through this, but long before that, there were prophecies of his arrival. That he would be born in Bethlehem. That he would be born of a virgin. That he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that he would possess an everlasting kingdom, that he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. This is what we read prophetically of Jesus, the Messiah who would come. And that's to say that Jesus was born to live this life and take on the sins that we've committed and then pay the price for our rebellion against God for our hardness of heart, for him turning that hard heart into something tender and now redeemed, for a life that's now forgiven and walking in the forgiveness of God, no longer a slave to sin, no longer under the bondage and the weight of failure or condemnation or shame or guilt. Jesus is the one who went through the process to absolve us of all what we experience here on earth. When we mess things up, when we sin against God, when we fail, when we go our own way, when we do our own thing, Jesus paid the price for that. And he did that, and then he filled us with love, joy, peace, and hope. And we walk in freedom. And the foundation of that is not found in the circumstances that we experience. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in the various seasons that we go through in life where life is difficult and things are hard, but it's found in Jesus. See, the miracle that we needed arrived in the form of a baby. Think about that. The miracle that we needed as humanity and that we need and that this world needs arrived in the form of a baby. See, God didn't see fit to choose a powerful CEO. He didn't see fit to, to choose, uh, you know, somebody that's a celebrity. He didn't see fit to, to choose a politician. He didn't choose somebody that's high in business and that has achieved so many different things in life and career and education. No. He didn't choose somebody rich. He didn't choose someone powerful. He chose a baby. And he chose a baby that was born in very humble circumstances, born to Mary and Joseph, two very ordinary, humble people. Everything about him and his life is something that we would just consider normal, almost standard, or you might even say average. That's who God chose to be king to change the world. See, Isaiah would prophesy, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance 
that we should desire him. Come on, every picture of Jesus looks like he's photoshopped. He looks amazing, right? So handsome. And, but look, Scripture says he had no beauty. He had no majesty. Nothing for us to attract us to him. Come on, when you give people a second look because of what they're wearing or how their hair is or the clothes they're wearing or their style or they're a good-looking person, you give them a second look, right? Here, no one would give him a second look. There was nothing in his appearance that people would give him a second look and desire to give a second look to him. Which is to say what? That his true identity is only visible to those who have a discerning eye of faith. The ability by faith to discern and see who Jesus is for who he truly is. See, miracles don't always show up the way you think they would or should. They don't always show up that way, right? They show up in ways that you didn't plan, things that you didn't plan on. In John chapter 9, we read about this man who was born blind. Jesus heals him of blindness, and this man had been born Blind since birth. He'd grown up this way. This is the only way of life he had known. But the Pharisees did not like Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus healed them on the Sabbath. And it starts this violent uproar. And they're dragging this man into the synagogue. And they're questioning him and trying to find out who healed him, how he got healed, because this stuff doesn't happen. And who is this person who healed you? And by what authority does he heal? And why is he doing this on the Sabbath, which is a violation of religious law? They're just pelting this guy with questions and they're coming at him and they're trying to just bring him down to size. Because in their mind, the overall way things should be should be the way that they've boxed things in. And Jesus is breaking that. And for them, it's breaking their religious law, it's breaking their tradition, it's breaking their understanding, it's breaking their concept of how they think God is and who they think God is and the power that they have or they think they have over situations. And so Jesus challenges all that. See, part of our responsibility as Christians is that we have to stretch our faith to see Jesus in the way that he wants to be seen. Not in the way that we boxed him in. Not in how we think he should operate. Not in how we think he should move. Come on, think about it. If you want Jesus to move in your life, you would probably bring it all down to these two things. I want to be successful and healthy. That would probably solve all your problems right there. As long as I'm successful and I'm healthy, I can kind of do what I want. And so if you were being God, that's pretty much what you would do. And your, your strategy would be success and health. But we see that this world does not guarantee any of those things. What it does guarantee is that there's a process that we go through and that faith is the thing that carries us through these difficult things. And God uses these things. See, we want God to show up in ways that are attractive, ways we approve of, and ways that we think are acceptable to us, right? We, we set things up in our minds, our expectations of how God should do something, how God should deliver, how the process is all going to work out, how the strategy should be. Come on, have you ever had a prayer to God where you, in some ways, weren't saying it, but maybe you were, I think I know better than you about this. If I were you, this is how I would do it. This is how I would lay things out. See, but in the case of this man who was born blind and then healed, we see that miracles don't always show up how you think they would or how you think they should. And it's safe to assume that this man did not care how he got his healing. He's just happy he's healed. And if you got your miracle, you wouldn't care how you got it. You just got it. 
right? When you were off the ventilator, you were happy to be off the ventilator. You didn't even know 56 days had passed by. And there's a lot of things that I don't think we think of because we're, God's working behind the scenes, but we're just looking at things from one angle. And we don't see the whole picture. And the true reality of the gospel is that God uses all things, death, sorrow, despair, discouragement, all the things that we try to avoid. God brings these things into alignment with his purpose and he uses them for his glory. Something bigger than we can see. Something bigger than we can feel. Certainly not something we want to volunteer for, but definitely something God uses time and time and time again. See, we just highlighted some of the people. There are so many people around here with miraculous stories of surviving, heartbreak, divorce, difficult things, loss, pain, the things of life, the stuff people go through. And here they are strengthened in their faith. See, this man that was blind went on to not only be healed physically, but he was healed spiritually as well. He comes to Jesus after the people reject him because they can't, they can't believe him and they don't want to believe him. So they just throw him out and, and, and discard his testimony and discard his miracle and they move him on. And then Jesus finds him. And when Jesus finds him, he questions him. And as he questions him, this man sees Jesus as Lord. And it says that this man fell down and worshiped him. See, that's the response of a true heart that's experienced a miracle. It's a heart that worships the Lord. See, faith was the key for this man to seeing Jesus for who he truly was. He wasn't just the guy who healed him. He was his Lord. And faith was the key to seeing Jesus for who he truly was. You know, faith to believe him when you're in the process. That's what this is about. When you haven't seen the outcome or the finished product. See, you had a very glossy, beautiful, well-put-together product. That beautiful video that symbolizes so many different stories and so many different lives, just echoes of God's glory and God's goodness and God's miracle hand on different situations and scenarios. But the reality is, is that it was a process for each of those individuals when the outcome wasn't guaranteed. And surrounding them were people of faith, standing with them and believing them. And when things in our church didn't turn out the way people hoped, God has used the people of faith to gather around them and hold them up and help them see what God is trying to say or God might be trying to do in this situation. Helping people heal, helping people grow through the season when the process is unclear. See, in 2022, our focus this year, there have been two key words we've used as a church, faith and forward. Faith forward is what we've said. You've seen this hashtagged everywhere. But really, faith is that we are going to be people who live by faith and forward. We're going to move forward. No matter what hits us, no matter what comes against us, we can't stay here. We're moving forward. And so if you think about that, that faith forward mindset, that faith forward attitude, this is how we navigate the process and the difficulties of life. This is how we see the miracles in our lives. Is we don't cancel out faith and we don't just camp out and stop moving. We don't stay put and roast marshmallows in our, in our depression about everything that's going on and everything that hasn't happened. See, the problem that we all deal with is that we think we're the only ones going through what we're going through. This is the trick of the enemy, and this is the trick of our mind. We hit the wall, and we think we're the only ones that are hitting the wall. But around us are people who are going through some of the exact same situations. 
And that process is not fun, and that's something that we don't want to go through. And what we do is we, we pull away, we isolate, and we say, where is God? Is God even for me? Do people even care? Does anybody know what I'm going through? Does anybody understand the weight of the process that I'm walking through? But if you think about it, can you look at your own life and just draw back maybe five years, ten years, however old you are, look back, keep looking back, and can you see the hand of God on your life? Can you see the miraculous things he's done in the past? See, the challenge we face is when God doesn't do the one thing that we want, we tend to discard the other things he has done. We forget the other things he's done. Can you look back and see the miracles God has done in your life? The things he's protected you from. The decisions you could have made. The decisions you did make that could have cost you so much more, yet God protected you. You're still here. You're still standing. You're still in faith. You're still moving forward. See, sometimes you need, need a miracle, but sometimes you are the miracle. <laughs> and that's the situation with a lot of people. But how many of you would rather need a miracle than be the miracle? <laughs> See, this is what we're talking about today, this process. Your life is already marked with miracles. God has already done great things in your life. Your life is already marked with his goodness. It's marked with his grace. It's marked with his peace. Come on, remember how you were. Remember who you were. Remember where you were. Think for a second and look at what God has done. Look what God has changed. See, here's the hope that we have at Christmas. And it's not just at Christmas, but all year round. It's that Jesus is our miracle in the process. That whatever we're going through, he's in the middle of it. Matthew chapter 1 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's what his name means. The name of Jesus Synonymous with Emmanuel, synonymous with God with us, which means his presence is with us. His peace is with us. His joy, his love. See, Jesus is our miracle in the process of healing, of overcoming, in the uncertainty, in the unknown. We've sang that, we've sang that song before together at, at Christmas time, and, and you've sung it over the years, that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's the heart cry of humanity, asking God to move on behalf of his people, to save them in their brokenness, in their darkness, in their sin, in their confusion, and God sends Jesus. And so part of what we celebrate and honor at Christmas is the beauty of this, the beauty of the process that we find ourselves in, which doesn't always look beautiful, but we celebrate that God is present, that God sent Jesus the promise of his presence is with us, that the promise of his comfort, of his love are with us. And here's a promise that I want to encourage our church in today. Everything that you're going through in life right now, whatever it is, from the smallest changes to maybe some of the greatest challenges, I want to encourage you with this. God is with you in the process. That is the promise of Christianity. That is the hope of Jesus. That is why we're celebrating the birth in a manger. It's not just a cute nativity scene with a cute, plump little baby. It is the Savior of mankind. And our faith rests on understanding not just what we see in a manger, but 
who he represents and everything that he truly actually is. See, most of us, we're just in love with the finished product of something. We want the, the, the answers. We want the, the final chapter to unveil and reveal everything. And Jesus himself didn't walk through that. He walked for 30 years on this earth experiencing rejection, ridicule, temptation, testing, time, time, time. It seems to take forever. But part of God's process in our lives is the development and the exercising of our faith. See, this is the key for us. The exercising of our faith and the development of our faith. This is what happens in the process because that's where we can give up. In the process, faith can dissipate and before we know it, we find ourselves backing away from faith. Backing away from trust. And Jesus saw this in Matthew chapter 13. He talks about this. It says, he could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The town that he went into, the people and what they thought and what they believed and where they were in their hearts and their minds. Mark chapter 6 tells it like this. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and heal them, which is still pretty amazing, but he could only do a little. Now, it's hard for us to fathom that the God of the universe can be hindered. If he's all-powerful, then how does this work, right? In any form or fashion, how does this work? Okay, but what we see here is there's a direct connection between God doing something powerful or miraculous and the role that faith plays in God actually doing it. And that role falls on us that responsibility of faith, that place of faith. That's not to say that if God didn't do something that we wanted, that we didn't have enough faith, but it is to say that God is looking for faith and that God works through faith. He worked through faith to see every miracle happen that you saw on that screen. So what does that mean for us this, this afternoon? It means that the enemy has a plan as well. And if he can get to your faith, then he can get to your miracle. If he can get to your miracle, he can get to your future. Luke chapter 22, Jesus tells it like this. Simon Peter, one of his disciples, is a bold man, to say the least. He's very confident in himself. He's very confident in his own opinion and how strong he actually think he is, thinks he is. He goes as far as saying to Jesus that he would never betray him, only to betray him hours later. right? And Jesus knew this about him, and Jesus dealt with his character and his pride and his arrogance, which was part of the process of Peter changing and becoming who Jesus intended for him to be. But in Luke chapter 22, Jesus says this, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. He's talking to his disciples. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail you. So when he repented, turn to me again and strengthen your brothers. Think about this. Jesus is telling one of his disciples that Satan has requested and sought him out. And what does Jesus do? He says, I pray that your faith would not fail you. Now, of all the things we could ask Jesus to pray for to last us a lifetime, I don't know if I would pray for my faith. I think I would probably say my finances. Pray that my finances don't fail me. Pray that my health doesn't fail me. Pray that my career doesn't fail me. Pray that my kids don't fail me. Pray that my marriage... Come on, there's something important to all of us that we would put at the forefront of Jesus saying, I've been praying this for you. But see, faith is the thing that connects all of those things. 
And it's the thing that Jesus prayed for, for Peter. What I'm saying is I believe that we put far too much stock in what faith feels like instead of the action that faith demands, which is to believe, which is to trust. The simplicity of that, without evidence, without a guarantee, the simplicity, as Abraham did, and as he believed in God, it was accredited to him as righteousness. He was righteous before God simply because he believed. Had not done anything. Had not built anything. Had not helped anyone. Yet he was called blessed and that he would bless all people. Through him, many would be blessed. See, it begs the question, are we complicating things too much when it comes to faith? Are we complicating things too much in the process? What is God asking in the process right now? He's asking for your faith. Not faith in just a cute little manger scene, but faith in an all-powerful God who is not just holy, but sovereign and is working all things together for the greater good and the greater glory of his kingdom. See, faith is staying true to Jesus, even when we don't feel like it. It's faith in the process. Faith when we feel the weight of what's happening. Faith when we still have the question marks. Faith when we're saying... I don't know how this is going to work out. Faith when we're saying, I don't know what God is going to do. We know he'll do something, but what will he do? Faith is at work in that process. And that's the faith I want to encourage you in today. This is what Christmas is all about. See, if Satan can harden your heart through hatred, through unforgiveness, through giving up, then God can't work miracles through your life into the lives of other people. If it has to be the way you think it should, you'll miss the process. You won't exercise faith. See, if sin is more important to you than pleasing the Lord, then God's hand is limited through your life. So this is the blessing of a Savior. This is the blessing of this child that's born, that he takes away the sin of the world, born to die for us. Titus chapter 2 says this, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing what is right. Not halfway committed, not sometimes committed, but totally committed. Committed. Come on, we need faith to be totally committed to the Lord. I need faith to be committed to my diet when those tamales come to my table tonight. I need faith to see that the Barbie dream house is completed with all its 3,000 pieces before the clock strikes. But we serve a God of miracles, amen? And God is going to do it as you pray for my strength and Santa's. Come on, what I'm saying is that if we want to honor Jesus with more than our mouth and more than our words, more than our feelings, we want to honor him with our lives, with our whole life, then we have to set our aim that that is what faith is aiming to do. Lord, let my whole life be a sacrifice for you. Let my whole life be pleasing to you. That's what this is about. Could you stand with me? As we close.
like you to take a moment, just bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. I'd like you to reflect on the process you're going through. Let's bring it back to you for a second. The way to honor the Lord in this season is to reaffirm in your own heart, your own mind, your own strength that the Lord is priority. When they tried to trick Jesus to say, what's most important, he said, here's what it comes down to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. What was he saying? Love God and love people. But we throw that word love around so easily. As we say, we love pizza. And we love our favorite sports team. See, what did Jesus really mean when he was asking that? It was wholehearted devotion. And no one can make you that way. It's something that you have to dig deep for. Draw up from the well of life and love within yourself. Devotion comes from you. But in that process, as you are aiming to become more devoted to the Lord, think about this. God is fully devoted to you. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we achieved any mark of obedience or any better life. Not after we changed a few things, rearranged the furniture in our life. No, before we were even born, Christ set out to redeem us. That's the beauty of who he is. And today as we close, wherever you are in your relationship with God, whether it is, in your opinion, a non-existent relationship with God, or one that used to have some spiritual roots and some foundation, but maybe you've kind of, in your own heart and mind, moved off of that path into your own life and your own path. Or maybe, as I'm preaching today, God's word is striking a chord. Wherever you're at, today you can receive his forgiveness. Today you can repent of your sin. Today you can embrace the love that God has for you. You don't have to prove anything to him. That's not what he's asking. But he is asking for your faith. He's asking you to trust him. And he's asking you to trust him as the miracle in the process of your life. Faith is the first step. See, next comes living out his freedom as you step into his calling. I would love for our church to pray. I want to pray for your faith. I want to pray for those who need forgiveness and salvation today. Lord, today I sense just something special about this service, even different from the last one.
to sense that you're deeply working in the hearts of people right now. That you are moving barriers, removing walls. Making hard hearts tender again. Redeeming lives. Restoring hope. Refreshing people. Lord, we know tomorrow is not guaranteed. So today, we trust your word that says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. trust your word that says today is the day of salvation today if you need to make your peace with God receive forgiveness receive salvation if that's you this morning would you just lift your hand up so I can see who I'm praying for today just lift it up and I'll just pray for you say to the Lord, Lord, as that blind man did, I see your hand in my life. I see the miracles you've done. Save me. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Father, every hand raised today, every heart being touched right now, God, I thank you thank you for your holy work in all of our lives and thank you that the striving ceases when we step into grace that your sacrifice on the cross saves us that your resurrection empowers us that your Holy Spirit comforts us leads us in guidance thank you God this season where we're celebrating your birth we're celebrating hope and we're celebrating that you are with us your presence is near I pray for the faith of every individual here today whatever process they find themselves in whatever they're walking through in this season Lord I'm asking for your miraculous hand in their lives You're there for their deliverance God from anything that may be trying take them out, to crush them, to destroy them. Lord, thank you that your saving hand is present in their life right now. I pray for an increase in grace over their life and peace, where people have been walking with despair and discouragement that has become overwhelming. Lord, I thank you that you are lifting them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you ask. You ask us to believe. And to confess with our mouth and believe that you're Lord. And to do that, you save us. Bring rest to hearts and minds here today, Lord. Lift the heaviness. mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.